Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. But we've been in a series that we've simply called Misunderstood. And it's one of those things that, that I don't know about you, and we have a quote that you'll see on the screen, but misunderstanding is by far the greatest distance between two people. It's amazing how misunderstandings can cause such a separation when it comes to two people in a relationship. And if that's true, physically speaking, how much more true is it thinking of spiritual things? And the premise has been very simple. I believe there's a lot of time in God's Word where Jesus was speaking, and then between His Word and what is 2022, it's been twisted a little bit. Somebody's taking it for something it's not, and we start saying something that I believe Jesus up there going, mm, no, that, that's, that's not what I said. And today, I want us to not continue, but look at it from the understanding of, okay, we've talked about many different sayings of Jesus that have been misunderstood, and you can go back to the podcast and listen to those, but today, I, I want to shed light on, on having understanding. I want to shed light on the fact that that where the premise of this whole series came from. And you'll find it in Luke, Luke chapter 24. This is after Jesus has been crucified. It's after he has rose from the grave. This is after the ladies have seen the empty tomb. They've seen the angel. This is when he has presented himself in the middle of the upper room, and he's getting ready to be lifted up and taken away. And listen to these words. They're so powerful. Verse 44. Then he, being Jesus, said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Listen to these key words in verse 45. Then he, being Jesus, opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. I want us today to talk about an amazing thing and where you're sitting as far as a timeline. I believe that if you are breathing, then you probably deal with different things in your life asking one simple question. Why? Why is this happening? Why is it happening now? Why is it happening to me? Why are these things in my life? Why, why, why? And I wanna show you three different simple scriptures that God showed me over the last few weeks that's out of his holy week that is going to give you some perspective of understanding where you're sitting on the timeline of things. You know, we are sitting in a spot of celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Why? Because we are 2022. We're not in 33 AD. We have understood the story. We're sitting on a different side. I, I put these readers on. Why? Because if not, I can't read this. It gives me a perspective. It gives me clarity. It gives me focus. It helps me to see what I'm looking at. I believe for most of us in this room, Resurrection Sunday is a goggles that we need to put on that if we will look through the lenses of the empty grave, we can look at our life, and despite being right in the middle of it, we can actually get some perspective and focus. I'm going to show you three simple things from Jesus' Holy Week that'll under, help you understand what I'm talking about. 
The first one you're going to find, and you don't have to turn there because the scriptures will be on the screen, but you'll find in the Gospel of Luke, verse 19, verses 45 and 46. It's when Jesus cleanses the temple. And he says, And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house should be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. You know, there are so many times that I hear people talk about this, and the misunderstanding is that, boy, Jesus went in there and he was fired up. He was mad. He was flipping over tables. He was driving people out like he was some crazy man. But because of where we sit on the timeline of the resurrection, we can look at that and know what really was going on. Can I tell you what God showed me a couple of weeks ago? Do you know why Jesus drove out the people that were selling all the animals? It's because he knew that the sacrificial system was fixing to be gone. They weren't going to be needed in the temple anymore. You were no longer going to have to go to the temple to make sacrifices. You were no longer going to have to go to the temple and go through somebody in order to have a relationship with God. The sacrificial system that was set up in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, whether it would be over Passover or whether it be on different feasts, you would no longer have to go to the temple in Jerusalem and purchase things in order to have a sacrifice for the atonement of your sin. Jesus was driving out. Yes, he was upset. Yes, he was proving a point. But from this side of the timeline, what we can realize is that he was doing something because he was telling them what was about to happen. He was letting them know, hey, I'm, I'm going to be the sacrifice. You're no longer going to need turtle doves. You're no longer going to need lambs. You're going to no longer need these burnt offerings or these grain offerings. I'm going to drive them out. And he said this. He said, my father's house will be known as a house of prayer. See, he was hinting to all the people that the sacrificial system and going through the high priest was going to be gone. The veil was going to be torn. And you could now have a personal communion and relationship with Jesus Christ. You could personally know Yahweh God through his son, Jesus Christ. They, they thought that he was a crazy man. They misunderstood what he was doing in the temple because they didn't know what was coming. You know, the second area that I think we misunderstand during Holy Week is found in Luke chapter 22, and it's the story of when the disciples fall asleep in the garden, right? How many times have we heard somebody make a comment about, well, I'll tell you what, those darn disciples, they just weren't very committed. When Jesus was at his weakest point, when he was sweats of, uh, of drub, uh, blood was dropping from his forehead, when he was in anguish and he was praying in the garden, you know, those disciples, they were just over there asleep. They just, they just have no commitment. That's not true. Total misunderstanding. Can I show you in Luke what was really going on? It's in Luke chapter 22. And when he, arose, when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. If you have a paper Bible or if you're on your tablets, highlight those two words, for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter temptation. I love this concept that Dr. Luke gives us in his gospel because the disciples did not fall asleep because they didn't have commitment. The disciples did not fall asleep because they, they lacked understanding. The disciples fell asleep 
because they were in a spirit of being so sorrowful. They participated in the Last Supper. Jesus has let them know there was going to be this Judas that was going to betray them. He's letting them know that he's got to go and and where he's going, they cannot go. He has identified to them that he's going to go and he's going to die. And they are literally in a spirit of being sorrow and mourning so bad that they're at the point of exhaustion when they get to the garden. And because of that heaviness, because of that sorrow, their bodies gave out on them and they fell asleep. Isn't it amazing when we use God's word and we re-understand what was really going on, how it can change our perspective? Now again, on, on this side of the timeline, we understand that there was no reason for them to be sorrowful, right? That what Jesus was doing was actually bringing life to them. But because of where they were sitting, they were looking at this as being a horrible, terrible day. They were looking at everything coming up with the question of, of what are we going to do next? And then there's a third concept out of the Gospel of Luke that, that blew my mind this week. It's in Luke chapter 23, verse 12. One simple verse. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. I read that, and I got so intrigued. And I started reading the backstory and trying to, because I just thought that, that Pilate and Herod, the two leaders that end up sending Jesus to the cross, that that first find no blame in him. In fact, if you were to go to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 19, it actually talks about how Herod was excited to see Jesus. He was longing to meet him. He was hoping to see a sign. But I just assume, we know what assuming does, right? That, oh, oh, Herod and Pilate, they must have been good buddies. Like they just, hey, man, what are you doing? I don't know, what are you doing? Well, I don't, I don't find any guilt with him. Well, I didn't find any guilt with him. Well, I say we let him go. Okay, let's let him go. And then all these Sadducees and And these Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, they were starting to get this uptick. They've created the people to start screaming, no, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. We'll take Barabbas, crucify Jesus. And they're saying, you know what, we have found no fault. And on that day, the commonality of meeting Jesus in their life, being around Jesus' righteousness, being around his innocence, Being around who he was caused two people that were at odds with each other to become friends. Three simple things during Holy Week that most of the time we just fly through and never think about. You say, Mickey, why why do you bring up those three things? Well, give me a second. We're going to go back to them. But can I tell you the thing that he tells those disciples before he leaves? when he's talking about opening up their minds to give them understanding of the Scripture, listen to what he focuses on. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 24, starting in the very verse of 46. And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name, to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You know, 
I read that, and I started wondering what things in our life do we misunderstand the most? What three things do most of us in this room struggle with the most? And the first thing I thought about is for a lot of us, we struggle with this church. There's been a time in our life that something has happened. We, we've went to a church building. I'm not talking about church like you and I, because that's what God's church is. Church is something you are. It's not somewhere we go. But we may have went to a church building and had a poor experience, and we have misunderstood what God's church was called to do because of the way God's church was acting towards us. It's the same thing that Jesus did in the temple, right? He went in there and he, he started flipping stuff. He started changing the game. He was letting them understand that the tradition that they had set up with the sacrifice and the sailing and starting to make things to get their own gain, he was abolishing that because it would no longer be about anybody particularly gaining anything, but the church was going to be there to serve and to seek and to love people and to love them with the grace of Jesus Christ. You see, Mickey, why are you talking about that? Because I want to personally apologize if you have ever been scorned by the church. I want you to know, if it matters at all, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry if you've had a poor experience. That is not what God's called his church to be. And unfortunately, there are people that take breaths and are human, and you may have caught them on a bad day. Can I encourage you today to join with me as you let that stuff go? And say, you know what, from today, moving forward, I'm going to treat his bride, the church, with what it deserves to be treated. And we're going to focus on it being a house of prayer. We're going to focus on it being loving God and loving people. Not about glitz and glamour and steeples and buildings. And we're going to meet people's needs. If somebody's hurting, we're going to help them. If somebody's hungry, we're going to feed them. If somebody needs a ride, we're going to pick them up. We're going to love people well. We're going to go back to the intimacy that Jesus created when he went and cleansed the temple. A second thing that I think most people struggle with is the aspect of, of what's my role? What is it that God's calling me to do? Mickey, you don't understand. I would love to make a difference for Jesus Christ. At Crossroads, we say this. We want to be life-giving in our community. We want to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and then go make a difference. And if you're breathing, you would love to make a difference, but there's one issue. You've got so much pain from your past that it puts a hindrance in your life sometimes. You are those disciples. I am those disciples in the garden. I can't do sometimes what God's calling me to do because I've got so much pain and sorrow and overwhelm that my life is at a point where I'm borderline exhausted. I just want to go lay down and go to sleep. And maybe tomorrow I can wake up and get a little bit more energy and go do what God's calling me to do. Well, can I give you a little bit of hope today? You having pain 
me having pain, us having struggles in our past, makes you normal. You're sitting in a gym with a bunch of people, listening to a man standing in front of you that I've got pain and struggles just like you. And I've got things in my life that I have sorrow about just like you have. But just as the scripture and as Jesus talked to those disciples, be careful not to let yourself get to a point where you fall into temptation. What temptation was he talking about? He wasn't talking about the temptation of falling asleep. He was talking about the temptation of not doing anything. Allowing yourself to submit to doing nothing is okay for your life. Listen, Jesus has more for you. Jesus has a plan for you. Jesus wants to allow that sorrow and that pain to be leveraged so that you can go and help other people that may be in sorrow and pain and give them hope and to let them know it's okay. You don't have to go and act like everything's great. I don't have to talk about certain things in my life and say, oh, I'm so thankful for those things. It's made me the person I am. You know what? I'm thankful that God can use everything, but you know what? I'd rather not have some of this stuff in my life. But because it's there now, I'm going to make sure it stays in my past and it doesn't affect my future. Let me tell you another way to look at this. Think about your grandchildren. Your grandchildren are going to talk about your life different from the way you see it right now. With all the hurt and all the pain and all the struggles you may have went through, some of the things that some of you may be dealing with right now, your grandchildren will talk about you as being a hero. Why? Because they're on the other side of the timeline. See, you, you can't see the forest because of the trees. And it's amazing how when time passes and God's word is a part of our life, how it gives us clarity to be able to see things where they really do fit and are. And so don't allow yourself to be entrapped and stuck. But allow yourself to realize that, that I'm just, I'm at the wrong point of the timeline. All I got to do is make sure that I get to the amazing tomorrow. In fact, one of the areas that you probably struggle with the most is that third thing that I mentioned. You have people in your life that you're at odds with. And for some of us, for some of you, it may even be some of your closest or once closest friends. It may be some of your family. It may be some of your coworkers. You say, Mickey, I've, I've been struggling with a, with a son or a daughter. I've been struggling with a cousin. I've been struggling with an aunt or an uncle. I've been struggling with my parents. I've been struggling with my grandparents. I'm at my wit's end. I am struggling and want to do something more, but I'm struggling because this relationship is so toxic. How do I handle that? Well, can I go back to what I just shared with you in God's Word? If you put Jesus in front of you and your relationships, his righteousness has a way of mending and making people that were once enemies or enemies friends. He took Pilate and Herod, and because of his righteousness and innocence, he brought two people that were once at odds together that I believe they would never be the same again. But you know where it starts? 
It starts not at a cross, but at an empty grave. Like the thing I've been most intrigued with in preparing for Easter Sunday is how entrenched the American church is with the cross. Most of you probably have some sort of jewelry on, and it's a cross. And you say, well, Mickey, what's your perspective? We have to go to the cross. We know that at the cross, Jesus died for our sins. But can I encourage you today to get to the end of the timeline? The cross was the death. The resurrection was the life. The cross was a point of submission. But the grave was where the freedom lied. The cross is where the atonement and sacrifice took place. But it was at the grave, the empty grave, where all of a sudden the testimony would go out and we would never be the same again. I believe that in today's church, we focus so much on the cross that sometimes we fail to mention that there's also an empty grave. Like you don't have to stay at that cross. The cross was a place of pain. The cross was a place of mourning. The cross was a place of suffering. The cross was a place of sacrifice. But God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to get to the grave. He wants you to get to the point of celebrating. He wants you to get to the point of freedom. He wants you to get to the point of joy. He wants you to get to the point of him resurrecting your life, your life being put to death at the cross, but he wants to give it back to you and say, now let's go do something more through his grave. See, Resurrection Sunday is not about a cross. It's about a grave that was empty. And for most of you, including myself, my issue with Resurrection Sunday is I still find myself in the daggum grave. I find myself not knowing that the stone has been rolled away. I feel like I'm trapped and I can't get out. I feel like I'm in a life that God wants to do something, but I just don't know how to do it because I still think about the, the cross. I just, I focus on the cross so much and Jesus saying, listen, hey, I don't know if you know this, I'm not on the cross anymore. I have already been to the cross. I have died for your sins and I've rolled the stone away. I need you to join me and get yourself out of the grave and let's go live life and have life more abundantly. Let's have resurrection power in our life. He has a way of taking you, no matter what you're struggling with, and giving you life again, no matter if you've had some major struggles, no matter if you don't feel worthy enough, no matter if you don't feel like you can, no matter if you have struggles in relationships, struggle with his church, struggle with sorrow, struggle with pain, no matter what it is, please know that on the other side of this timeline is hope, is life, and is abundance. Like, I get intrigued. I get intrigued sometimes with my life because I, I wonder what's next. Like, I have some simple goals in my life. One of my goals in my life is to one day to be sitting in the rockers at Cracker Barrel with my Amy Lou talking about all the grandbabies and what life used to be like, but to still be in the middle of life. Even at age 47, if you'd have talked to me when I was in my late 20s, 
and told me where I would be at age 47, I'd have been like, what? Excuse me? I, 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 how many kids? Like, what? I would be, what? Doing the who? With the what? With the, like, it doesn't make sense. Why? Because of the goggles I got on. Can I encourage you to take off your present day goggles and start looking to the future? That's what Jesus was trying to get them to understand. You say, what's the future? There's coming a day where the trumpet's going to sound and the clouds are going to break. And Jesus is coming back for his bride. And in that moment, he's going to set up the new heaven and the new earth. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more condemnation. There will, it will be settled once and for all. And the only thing you got to do is make sure today that you don't get so caught up on today and the things that you're in today that you don't walk out of the grave that's called the sin in your life. Through Jesus Christ and through his resurrection, he has given you the ability to have life and have life more abundantly. That's the story of Resurrection Sunday. But it's amazing to me how we get it misunderstood, isn't it? Like we, we come to Easter services and we, we celebrate different things with the cross and we celebrate different things about his death, and, and rightfully so. But we never talk about the fact that you don't have to stay where you are either. I love the story that's in God's Word of the two thieves on the cross. You know, you had, you had one guy that's literally like, dude, if you're really the Jesus, then, then come down off that cross and save yourself and save us too. He was only consumed with himself. But then you had this amazing other thief, right, who basically shuts the other one up and says, hey, man, leave this guy alone. You and I, we deserve to be on this cross. But this guy, oh, he's innocent. And then he looks at Jesus, and he says this amazing phrase. He says, remember me this day in paradise. You know, Jesus then turned around and looked at him and said, well, that's a wonderful thing. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes, I got a prayer I want you to say. And the music of just as I am started. And the pastor said, bow your head, close your eyes. Right. No, he didn't. You know what Jesus looked at him and said? Truly on this day, you're going to be with me. You know why? Because that thief made a decision to not stay in the grave. I've got one simple question for you. Are you dead or are you alive? Where is your life at? I didn't ask you if you like life. I didn't ask if you have struggles in life. I didn't ask if you were having issues in life. You know why? Because you're breathing. So that tells me, guess what? You probably got all those things. If not, please make sure I get your number because I would love to spend some time with you because everybody that I talk to, including myself, has issues and struggles. I would love to know somebody that doesn't have any of it. That'd be pretty cool because I've never met that person. 
But that doesn't mean you got to live a dead life. That doesn't mean you have to stay where you are. Today we celebrate the fact that you can be resurrected. What does that mean? Well, can I put it very simple and I'm going to pray. It means that you can have life again. Can you let that sink in for a minute? I want you to think about your greatest day. I want you to think about a time where you're like, man, this, this, is, a, ooh, this is a good day. That was a good, man, this life, I love my, this is a good. I want you to think about that. Guess what? You can have it again. And you can have it the next day and the next day. You say, well, Mickey, you tell me I'm not going to have any more struggles? Like, wow, this is amazing. I can accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and it's just butterflies and rainbows, right? No! But it gives you a perspective to be able to see clearly. It gives you the ability to look at today and not get lost and put in a grave. It gives you the ability to have life and to have life more abundantly. You say, well, Pastor Mickey, that, that's great. What do I got to do? You just got to confess that he's king. You've got to allow yourself to take Jesus off the cross and let him go to the grave and let him be out of the grave. And you got to walk out of the grave in your life with him. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.